Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 46, The Promised Land. So I'm curious, did you take seriously the challenge that I gave you last week to review 2018 and ponder upon those moments that you thought, I can't even? The moments that felt hard, even crushing. The times in which you couldn't see how it was all going to work out and left you wondering, How can I move forward? What is the next step? And how can I possibly endure? Yet, here you are. Somehow, you moved forward. What tender mercies did you receive in order to come out of the dark and into the light? How were you made mighty? Even though you may not have even realized it at the time, But how were you made mighty and delivered from your affliction that felt like you were even going to be swallowed up into the depths of the sea? Yet you weren't. Take a moment to feel the power of that realization. You were not swallowed up. And because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and the covenants that you strive to keep, You were made mighty so that the waves of affliction could not overpower you. In fact, somehow they improved you. They changed you. I promise you that as you allow that to sink in, as you gain a deeper appreciation for this principle, your faith is going to take you farther. It's going to plant you firmer in Jesus Christ. And it will increase your hope in Jesus Christ that everything is working out for your good and that there are better days to come. Last week, I failed to mention that 2 Nephi chapter 1 begins the first of four chapters in which we are reading and learning about the last words of Lehi to his posterity. What would you have to say to your posterity if you were about to pass on from this life? What would you need to communicate, teach them, that would give you gladness in your heart and peace of mind that you had taught them everything you possibly could. And now it was left to their choice and their use of the atonement. And this is the setting for our next few episodes. I'm not sure how long this was given before the actual death of Lehi. Adam did a similar address to his posterity, but it was about three years before his death. But we can with soberness treasure these words and knowing that these were matters that were pressing upon Lehi's heart. As we mentioned last week, he began by reminding them of the things that the Lord had done for them, the tender mercies of the Lord in leading them out of Jerusalem and protecting them from their own rebellions upon the sea, and that they weren't swallowed up. The Lord had been merciful to them. Next, he felt impressed for his sons to understand the land in which they now stood, the land that they had been led to, the promised land. This was a choice land, choice above all other lands, and this land was their inheritance. 
as it was for others who had been led out from other countries by the hand of the Lord. Lehi made it clear that none has come into this land save they were brought by the hand of the Lord. And I find this verse to be worthy of us considering for a moment, especially in our day, which is so heavily concerned about immigration and protection of our citizens here in America and throughout the American continent. This verse, I believe, is a window into the dealings of our Lord. Not only his dealings, but his intentions, his beliefs, an explanation of his actions. And though I'm not going to get political, because I realize that both sides of the argument could use this verse to support themselves, I do believe it is worth us considering and maybe pondering and calling upon the Spirit to better understand as we make important decisions regarding the process and allowing people to come into our land. For Lehi said that this land is consecrated unto him whom the Lord shall bring. And that leads us into an interesting legacy of this precious land. So for you bicentennial babies, you know that the year of your birth, 1976, was a year of celebration for the land of the free and the home of the brave. In fact, there are several articles referring to the promised land during this year, but there was one that I particularly enjoyed, and it was written by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland before he was made an apostle. And he goes over the legacy, the significant events that have occurred upon this land, making it a special land. First, we are reminded that the Garden of Eden flourished upon this land, and that we are told that it was located where the new Jerusalem will eventually be built. And that Adam, after he left the garden, made his home in Adam on Diamond, which we are told is located in Davies County, Missouri. Here he raised his posterity, but he also gathered the righteous remnants of his posterity right before his death, and he gave his final blessing to them. It was a magnificent time in the land's history, for the Lord Jesus Christ attended this gathering, and Adam prophesied of days to come for his family, even until the end of time. After the flood, which relocated the righteous portion of God's children, The promised land then became a choice land above all other lands. It was consecrated, if you will, as a land where all men who dwell upon the land should serve him, meaning the Lord. Jesus Christ is the king of this land. And he set apart this land for his work. Soon after the flood, the Lord began using this precious land and he brought forth the Jaredites. He brought them over. Remember, they are the family of Jared, who was spared from the confounding of the languages that occurred when God's children were attempting to build a tower. Remember that tower, the Tower of Babel? And as Jared and his posterity would learn, this land is a land of conditions. Whoso should possess this land of promise from that time henceforth and forever should serve him, the true and only God, or they should be swept off when the fullness of his wrath should come upon them. Henceforth and forever. This is a condition that has never been lifted. 
We who possess this land are under the same obligations of even the Jaredites. It has never been lifted. It never will be. And the sober reminder that is preserved in the Book of Mormon, that the Jaredites, as they grew and abound in iniquity, no longer were protected by the Lord and were eventually destroyed. They were swept off. Around this time, however, the Lord brought another branch into the vineyard of the Promised Land, the Nephites and the Lamanites. And there were days of prosperity, both in matters of the world and also, most importantly, in matters of God, to the point that the resurrected Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, appeared to them, ministered to them, and strengthened them in His gospel. Now, I'm not sure where this took place. I don't know if it was in North or Central or South America. And I'm not schooled in the knowledge of the whys and the hows and wares of this matter. But this I do know. 400 years after the coming of the Lord, the Nephites would begin to ripen in full iniquity and then reject their Lord, causing their destruction. And a thousand years later, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, led by the hand of the Lord. Nephi saw this event around 600 BC. And Columbus testifies of the miraculous events that propelled and fueled his discovery. Nations came and flooded the Americas, but it was particularly in the American colonies where God brought about some of the great minds of that generation, perhaps of all generations. Minds that had received the blessings and the knowledge brought to them from the Renaissance and the perspective and the biblical understanding of the Reformation that enlightened their minds in such a way that the Spirit of the Lord was able to inspire them to bring about the Constitution of the United States of America. And as Elder Holland reminded us, This constitution was a preservation of our freedoms, freedom of conscience, speech, the press, and the freedom to worship. That these God-given rights were not permitted by government, but to be protected by government. There was no other land so prepared for what was about to transpire than the promised land. It was its destiny, its purpose. Once again, Jesus Christ and God the Father appeared in the promised land, this time to the boy named Joseph Smith, and the process began again for the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that restoration continues and will continue until Jesus Christ comes again. And one of his two headquarters, if you will, will be located, called the New Jerusalem, here upon the promised land. No wonder it was wisdom that this land should be kept from the knowledge of other nations. It wasn't to be used like other lands had been used. It was reserved for the purpose of blessing all the lives of God's children. And like I said, this is a land with conditions. A land with a promise and also with a curse. Lehi desperately desired his children to realize the responsibility that they had while they dwelt in the land. Inhabitants of the promised land are required to serve the king of the land, Jesus Christ. And if they do, it shall be a land of liberty. 
the inhabitants will never be brought down into captivity. And those who God brings out of Jerusalem to this land and who keep the commandments will prosper upon the land. And can we talk about prosperity for a minute? In my opinion, we create a stumbling block for ourselves when we focus on just one of the definitions of the word prosper. To succeed in material terms, to be financially successful. If this is the only definition in our minds, we can be tempted to look at those who are quote unquote prospering and compare them to ourselves we might create some unintentional false measurements of righteousness or favor of God. We may become unnecessarily discouraged with our own situation because we believe we have done all we can, but we are not being blessed to prosper. And such feelings can then become schisms between us and deity and cause us to pull away because we don't see promises being fulfilled for us. And we start to not trust him and trust his love for us and believe that he isn't a respecter of persons. But if you were to take into consideration another definition of the word prosper, which is to flourish physically, grow strong and healthy, to do well, to get on, thrive, flourish, bloom, shoot up, expand, spread, improve, succeed, progress, advance, and to make good, and we apply these words to our families, our bodies, our testimonies, priesthood power, our communities, and our abilities, we may better see the blessings of prosperity in our lives. President M. Russell Ballard, when speaking at the Utah North Multi-State Conference back in 2018, so just last year, he urged the disciples of Jesus Christ to see the following occurrences as proof of God prospering them. That in this area, they had two missions, three temples, and an additional temple announced in the April conference. That they had vibrant institutes of religion and programs associated with great colleges and universities in the area. Numerous wards, stakes, and seminary buildings. That the people of this area had access to medical and dental care clean water, education, transportation, and sanitation services. He said, you have also been blessed with recreational and entertainment options, and you are surrounded by a beautiful, rich, and diverse natural world. Your productive farms, ranches, and orchards dot the land, and small and large businesses provide employment, paying mortgages, medical expenses, and educational expenses of employees. Sports and the arts flourish in your communities, drawing attention to Utah from around the world. The Book of Mormon and Isaiah's prophecies are being fulfilled in our very own time. The saints are prospering in the land, and the land is blossoming as a rose. End quote. Do we consider all of those themes as evidence and proof before our eyes? that the Lord is prospering us? Or are we overlooking them, taking them for granted, the privileges and blessings that these add and give to our life? Lehi reminds his sons of the Lord's command that inasmuch as you shall keep the commandments, you shall prosper upon the face of the land. 
Sister Scriptorians, I encourage you to see the blessings of prosperity in your life and have a broader definition. Instead of resentment and feelings of scarcity, your heart's going to start overflowing with the abundance that the Lord is truly blessing you with. We are so blessed. The adversary would have you live and believe in a limited way in order to eat away at your faith. Don't you give him an inch. Lehi continued on that with his sons and their posterity's obedience to the God of the promised land, that they will be kept from other nations, that they and they alone will possess the land unto themselves. There will be none to molest them, to take away their land of inheritance, and they shall dwell safely forever. Again, this land is a land of promise but it is a land with a curse as well. For if the inhabitants of the land choose not to serve the Lord, their iniquity will bring them down into captivity, and cursed shall be the land for their sakes. And we know we eventually see this with the remnants of Lehi's seed. Why so, you might ask? The short answer, it's because all that they had been given upon the inhabitants of the promised land, from Adam to the Jaredites, to the Nephites, and even to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ that we have here today. The Lord always has poured out to his children his mysteries, his gospel. He's given it to us in abundance. He gave us, like he gave the Nephites, the knowledge of the creation of the earth and of all men. They knew the great and marvelous works of the Lord from the creation of the world. They had the power given to them to do all things in faith. They had all of his commandments, and they knew that they had been brought in his infinite goodness to this precious land. Lehi warns that after all of this has been given by the Lord, and if they reject it, essentially, dismissing these teachings as being inadequate, inappropriate, or not to their taste or preference, therefore rejecting the Holy One of Israel, the true Messiah, their Redeemer and their God, then the judgments of him that is just shall rest upon them. He will then bring other nations unto them, and he will give these other nations power The land of their possessions will be taken away, and they will be smitten and scattered. And Lehi warns that there will be bloodshed and great visitations among them. Wherefore, my sons, I would that ye would remember. Yea, I would that ye would hearken unto my words. For those of us who live upon the lands of promise, be aware, these promises and curses have never been retracted. We live under these conditions. We cannot control the choices of others, but we can impact them with the love of Jesus Christ and the examples of our efforts to be obedient and to act in righteousness and to raise up righteous families. We surely may see difficult times because of the deterioration of our societies, but we must not give up because we can be a force for good and the force of Jesus Christ I know is more powerful than the attacks of the adversary. And I hope that you can take heart that in verse 7, that Lehi proclaims that, for if iniquity shall abound, cursed shall be the land for their sakes. 
but unto the righteous it shall be blessed forever. Unto the righteous it shall be blessed forever. I don't know how it's possible. But with God, nothing is impossible. And I invite you to place your faith and your hope in this promise and to forsake the fear that tickles at your heart. For those of you who do not live in the quote-unquote promised land, I believe that the legacy and the survival of this land should be of not only interest to you, but of most importance to you. The shining light would not do anyone any good if it was extinguished. The light blesses all who value it. It blesses the world of what comes out of it. And we light our light by it. Your families, in whatever country you are in, as you live the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are prospering. And you are the roses in your communities. Perhaps even more evident, you are prospering in the fruits of the Spirit. Because you are unique, maybe even peculiar among your fellow men. There's something different about you. And how wonderful and what an awesome responsibility that is. That you have to ignite the light of the gospel throughout the world and duplicate in your homes many promised lands. Many promised lands of freedom and prosperity because of your commitments to serve the King of Kings. This includes you as much as it includes me. For God desires to bless all of his children. Sister Scriptorians, if you shall keep the commandments, then you shall prosper in the land. Please expand your definition of prosperity and notice the abundance that the Lord is pouring out to you. He is not a God of scarcity. In fact, he is prepared to bless you forever for your righteousness. Have a good day.